And welcome back to another episode of Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Raiders. We are doing a crossover episode. This is a crazy one considering where the Raiders and the Chiefs are in the division right now. Uh, not something we are used to for sure. Thanks for making Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Raiders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode of Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Raiders is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family from the community can come together. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Q, you have to be loving it right now because this is a completely different scenario for you guys than you've been in the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's it's a good scenario, but it's a weird scenario. It's an emotional <laughs> scenario. I mean, it's just it's a whole lot rolled up in one, Chris. And so yeah, it's 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 strange territory right now, but I'll tell you, looking at the AFC West just as a whole, that body, man, every team having five wins is incredible. And so it's pretty fun. I will say that. All the off-field side stuff aside, which I know we'll talk about, it's a lot of fun so far this season in the AFC West. Yeah, it is, and you're right. All the teams have five wins. That's very rare, and I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, you know, this division continues to stack up throughout the rest of the season. But you did bring up the off-the-field stuff. Do you want to talk about that really quick? You guys have been dealing with a couple of things over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's been major, you know, and it, and it goes back about, you know, almost a month now. You know, mm -hmm. it started with John Gruden stepping down, resigning after his emails rolled out, after the Washington football team was being under investigation. Then all of a sudden, he's the one who ends up losing his job. And it's like, okay, nothing to see here. Story's over. So that's that's still strange. It's still up in the air. It's it's weird. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not defending anything that he said in those emails because they weren't good. But it's just strange that he was the only one that ended up really – paying a price for that but that's a whole nother story because then it gets serious you know then the Henry Ruggs situation happens a former first round pick number 12 overall in 2020 gets into a, a fatal car accident where he ends up taking the life of a young woman 23 year old uh, here in Las Vegas and that's just really got the community really on edge and, and not really on edge it's probably the wrong word just really in emotional state because it's just sad when a life is lost senselessly and that's what that was with Henry Ruggs and now as as 22 year old as he is, he's lost not lost his life, but he's thrown his life away as far as what he knew, his career, the lifestyle that he was used to living, his family. It's just never going to be the same for him, regardless of what happens. So that happened. Then hey, let's just go ahead and make matters worse. And your other former first round pick in 2020, uh, Damon Arnett, number 19 overall, he gets released or waived on Monday because the guy has a video that's released, and apparently the video is about a year old, but. He's running around the house with multiple guns in his hands, telling people to come over so he can kill them. And then, uh, you know, puts his, his address on this uh, social media site or whatever to invite this guy over. It's just just foolishness and silliness and ridiculousness and a bunch of bad decisions by a bunch of young dudes that uh, have a lot of money and a lot of opportunity and don't know what they just threw away. So both those guys are gone now. So. Um, yeah, Raiders are just like, whoa, what in the world's going on? So here we are uh, today talking about this upcoming game on Sunday. You got an interim head coach and multiple players that used to be on your roster are no longer there. It's just, it's a strange time, Chris, strange time in, uh, in, in Raider land. Well, and you also are dealing with a team that's coming back from losing against the New York Giants. Yeah. Uh, that was a surprising loss. Although, it, if I'm honest about it, I think there's a little bit more makes a little more sense to me than I would think normally. And that's because of the Henry Ruggs situation. Right. Uh, that has to weigh on a team that has to weigh on the players. 
It does. And you can see on, on Sunday that Derek Carr didn't look like he was quite himself. He missed some balls that normally he hits on. Um, but, you know, the name of the game, unfortunately, is you've got to go out there and you've got to compete. and You've got to operate. And you've got to handle your business. And they didn't. And the right. New York Giants, as you very well know, covering the Chiefs, uh, you saw what the Giants were able to do against the Chiefs on that Monday night football game where they just didn't look like they were good enough to win. But you saw that they had a little something to them. They could compete, you know. And Well, the Raiders allowed them to, to hang around. The Raiders did not capitalize in the red zone and ultimately lost the game. So, um, yeah, you got to give the credit to the Giants for going and having handling their business. And you've got to also look at the Raiders and say, hey, you got a lot that you're dealing with. But at some point, man, you got to step up to the plate. And they weren't able to step up to the plate on Sunday. So here we are. Uh, the Raiders are sitting there at five and three. And like I said, every team in the division has five wins. Yeah, and it's crazy because Kansas City is now sitting at five and four uh, with the way the season started. I didn't know that they would get above 500. So I have to say that I'm kind of happy that they're there. But we do need to get down to the nitty gritty. And when we get back, I will be asking you questions about the Raiders. And then we're going to flip it and you're going to ask me questions about the Chiefs. Yeah, no doubt about it. I look forward to it, man. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Again, like Chris said at the top of the show, this episode is being brought to you by McDonald's. They've been proudly serving communities since 1965. And McDonald's, for me, has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family all go to reconnect. I mean, it's where classmates go if they want to study, if they want to break it down, if they want to, you know, learn the the the, the math and, and English and just figure things out. And, oh, by the way, have a little bit of French fries and some McFlurries on the side as well. Uh, it's where I see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, little leagues go and football teams go to, to kind of relax and chill and, again, have a lot of really good food. And even if you're on the road, if you're having a long road trip, how many times do you look up and look for the golden arches? I know I do all the time. I was like, yep, boom, there you go. That's the spot to go. So uh, McDonald's, again, has been a really good community uh, outreach spot, a place where people in the community always go since 1965. So uh, check them out today. Of course, uh, you can get anything you want at a very affordable price. And I, I just, again, I love the experience that I always get when I'm at McDonald's, and I'm sure you do as well. You have great memories at McDonald's. Matter of fact, might even have a locked on just a locked on NFL party at a McDonald's. We might just have to put that together sometime. Maybe we'll do it this weekend in Las Vegas for the Chiefs and Raiders game. Who knows? But uh, just check them out today. McDonald's, of course, as always, I'm loving it. What else I'm loving is GetUpside. And GetUpside is an app that anyone who drives a car, anyone who needs to get gas, needs to have. All the listeners of the, the podcast network, the Locked On Podcast Network that we, we are part of, are making up to 25 cents per gallon of gas every single time they fill up. All you got to do is download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play and do it right now. If you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, you'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill. So that's up to 50 cents a gallon cash pack. No need to pay full price at the pump anymore. Get your cash back using GetUpside. Again, download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. You'll get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. People that are driving a lot, well, they're making a lot, two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. Cash back gets added right to your account and any kind of account, bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon, other, other brands, it doesn't matter. Download the free GetUpside app, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. The app is GetUpside. Make it happen and make it happen now. All right, Q, so I have to ask this question just because when you start game planning for a week, you start game planning that right after the game is over. So in my opinion, at least, the Raiders went into this Giants game 
thinking they were going to have Henry Ruggs early in the week, and then all of a sudden they're not going to have him. So that's going to change their game plan. How do you think that really affected this team? How do you think it's going to affect them going forward, not having Ruggs, who is their big speed guy, their you know over-the-top guy, and then also losing Arnett as well? Although I know it's not near as big of a piece as Ruggs was, but I still think it affects the team. Right, it does. It affects the team in a major way because, again, that was one of your guys that you were in your locker room with. And this uh, this season has been a very uh, tight-knit group. You know, this locker room has been very tight with each other. They all genuinely have a lot of love for each other. And I know a lot of teams say that, but you can really see that this year with the Raiders. And so uh, losing Arnett is is just – it's another player. He wasn't a starter. You know, he wasn't really contributing a lot. So that's one thing. But Ruggs, like you mentioned, man, that is a big deal. That's a guy with a lot of speed. A lot of speed and a lot more speed. He can take the top off of defense. You know, when the Raiders drafted him, John Gruden is no longer the head coach, obviously said that's their Tyreek Hill. And you know what Tyreek Hill has done to the Chiefs offense and how much he's a part of that Chiefs offense. Now, now Ruggs was never, ever involved as much as Hill is, but it's the same concept. That speed really opens up things uh, for a team. And so uh, that was evident on Sunday that that wasn't there. You know, the Giants were not going to allow the Raiders to get them with the big play, and they didn't have to worry about a speedster like Ruggs taking the top off the defense. So they were able to really focus in on Waller. They were able to focus in on Hunter Renfro and, and other guys, you know, Brian Edwards, and and they just were able to make sure and, and not feel like they were worried about getting beat deep because that, that defense and that uh, that speed wasn't there, so the defense was able to capitalize. So, yeah, that was something that was major. The Raiders have signed Deshaun Jackson since then. He's got speed. Uh, he's going to probably play in a handful of snaps, but, I mean, he's he's 34 years old. He's had some hamstring issues, so, uh, you know, he's not going to be the factor that Ruggs was, but he'll be a factor. He'll be a guy that at least brings a little bit more speed to the team. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to ask my next question about him. Considering he just signed, I I agree with you. I think he'll play a couple snaps, but I can't imagine he's going to be out there for very many plays. No, no, I don't think so. And I mean, if you go back and see what he did with the Rams, it wasn't a whole lot of anything so far this season. I think he's only, you know, has a handful of catches, but he does have about 200 and something yards because, well, usually when he catches the ball, it's a big play. So I think you'll see him out there. He's a 14-year vet. And he's not going to be up to speed on the whole playbook, obviously. But I think as a 14-year vet, Derek Carr could tell him, hey, man, this is your responsibility on this play. Just go ahead and run a nine, run a six, run a seven, run, you know, and then he'll know what that is and he'll find a way to get open. I do believe he's really good at, at running routes, but he's not going to be the Raiders' first target. Probably won't be the second or third target. He'll just be another player uh, added to the mix. So uh, I like the speed that's added. I like the veteran savvy that's added, but to think that he's going to be a big time contributor and, and volumes, uh, that would be silly. So he, he's not going to be that guy. Yeah. Now, one thing that is a huge deal to me, at least when looking at this Raiders unit, is their offensive line completely changed this year. Yeah. And Kansas City did the same, but it's a little bit different, obviously, in Kansas City. What have you seen from this offensive line so far this year? Kansas City hasn't put a lot of pressure on teams, but they're starting to get home at times. And it looks like they've moved Alex Leatherwood from right tackle now to right guard. When did that happen, and and how is that looking so far? Yeah, the the offensive line, the reconstruction of it has been um, it's been one of the big subjects of the whole offseason, preseason, training camp, everything leading up to, you know, the restart of the season. And it's been a work in progress. It hasn't been uh, seamless. It has been at times downright bad. Uh, and like you mentioned, Alex Leatherwood is drafted to be the right tackle of the future. And after a few games, he was kicked into guard because he just wasn't cutting it at that position. And ultimately, that's probably his best position is guard. And it's been better. 
He's still struggling when it comes to pass protection. He's doing a lot better in the run game. Their center, Andre James, was terrible for the first few weeks of the season. The last two weeks, he's played a little bit better, actually a lot better, you know? And so I, I could see him getting better, but it's just been a weird thing, man. Richie Incognito was supposed to be the starting left guard. He hasn't played a down. Uh, you know, Denzel Good was supposed to be the starting right guard. He tore his ACL in the first game. So, I mean, it's just, it's one thing after the other. Brandon Parker's the right tackle. He's been a turnstile his whole career, but he's playing better. So I think Chris is still a work in progress. It still has a lot of ways to go, but you can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. At least it seems like they're starting to gel as they head into week 10. Yeah, and I will say this. It's going to be a very big test for that offensive line because Chris Jones has been moved back into defensive tackle. Jerron Reed, I think, is going to play better with Jones next to him. So I think that's going to be something to watch is how that interior takes on the Chiefs' defensive tackles. Now, when we flip it over to the other side and we start looking at the defense, this is where I really, you know, when we did our crossover episode during the offseason, the one guy I wanted was Max Crosby. And I still think that if I was going to pick somebody off this Raiders team, it would still be Max Crosby. What have you seen from their defensive line that has really changed everything? Because the Raiders last year didn't get much pressure at all. Now they're getting a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's been night and day. It's been a, a complete difference. And really, Max Crosby, I'm glad you brought him up. He's, to me, has been the leader of the defense. Uh, he really, really worked his tail off during the, the uh, preseason and training camp. Something I noticed being there at, at the practice, I just, I said he looks faster. And, you know, he's, he's on record of saying that he doesn't drink anymore. He's sober now for like 18, 19 months. Uh, him, obviously, he's fallen in Darren Waller's footsteps. Uh, I also think that uh, the, the signing of Unique Ngakwe has helped out a lot as well because now they have nice bookends that do two things very similar to each other. They both get to the quarterback very well, and they 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 bonded quickly. So Ngakwe pushes Crosby. Crosby, Crosby pushes Ngakwe. You know, if, if Crosby gets two sacks in a game, game, Ngakwe wants to come back and get two sacks. If Crosby is defensive player of the week in the AFC, then all of a sudden Ngakwe wants to be that guy. I mean, they they just push each other in a great competitive but friendly style and I think that they've been really good for each other and Gus Bradley's scheme the defensive coordinator now the Raiders I mean it's it's the front four get home it's not blitz 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 it's the front four get home or you don't and so far for the Raiders this season those two guys in Gakwe and Max Crosby have been really good at getting home getting pressures and getting to the quarterback and I keep looking down and I'm sure people are wondering what I'm doing and I'm sitting here looking at the injury report because I think it's always important to look at who could be available and who may not be available. Is Jonathan Hankins going to play this week? And is, do you think Nick, I can't ever say his last name. Rakowski. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. Do you think either of those guys are going to be available this week? Because I think that they both really help the defense. And I know Hankins uh, can be a, you know, somebody that is very difficult to block in the middle. Yeah, I do think Hankins will play. Uh, he's been battling injuries kind of off and on throughout the course of the season. I do think he's going to end up being a go. Uh, Kwiatkowski is a guy that um, I, I'd kind of be shocked if he plays. Now that I said that, he'll probably play. But, I mean, it just <laughs> it's one of those situations where he's not really the number one guy at this point right now. When they signed him as a free agent, he was expected to be. But now that the scheme has changed and it's a different uh, defensive coordinator, it's no longer Paul Gunther, it's now Gus Bradley, he doesn't really – fit exactly like he did in a Paul Gunther scheme. So he's still a good contributor. Don't get me wrong. He's still really good against the run, uh, but he's just not out there as much as he used to be. So I, I think that he probably, if he's still banged up later in the week, 
you know, is still kind of, you know, being limited or whatever. They'll probably hold him out just to hold him out. But they have K.J. Wright. They have Corey Littleton. You know, they feel good about that. Denzel Perriman's leading the team in tackles. I mean, those those three dudes, as far as linebackers, are really giving the Raiders defense a big boost from what it was a year ago because, man, it was atrocious a year ago. And now they're at least playing some good ball. They're not the liability. They're not the reason why the Raiders lose games. Uh, they lose games because they ultimately don't succeed in the red zone. I mean, at least that's what it was on Sunday. It wasn't because the defense just couldn't play very well. So I, I think that they'll be fine as far as the linebackers go. But Kukowski, I, I probably right now would lean to he probably won't play on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see Hankins play. I think it's, it's yeah. going to be a very good matchup against the Chiefs interior of the offensive line. But I'm sure we'll talk about that here in just a moment when we get back. Q is going to ask me some questions about this Chiefs team and how I see this game going and what I think about this team. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. They're back and they're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season, even more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, baseball postseason, which is over at this point, uh, but there's going to be stuff coming uh, when it, you're starting to talk about free agency, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. All right, Q, uh, go right ahead, man. I'll let you dive in. Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about talking Chiefs and Raiders. This is Sunday night. It's primetime action. I mean, it doesn't get too much uh, better than that. You got the 5-3 and three Raiders and the 5-4 and four Chiefs uh, trying to rekindle that old-school uh, rivalry that lately, honestly, hasn't been much of a rivalry as the Chiefs have really dominated, you know? so Yeah, and I've been trying to think, when was the last time this game meant so much this, at this point in the season? It's been a while. It's, it's, it's been a long I, while. I mean, I mean, no offense against the Raiders. No, I'm just wondering... Yeah, no, you're 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 spot on because I mean the Raiders won, you know, in Kansas City and Arrowhead last season, mm-hmm. and then and then went back to Allegiant Stadium, and I thought they had a chance to win that game, but Patrick Mahomes pulls it out at the end, and obviously there was no fans there either, so the intensity and the the energy wasn't there in the stadium. So it's been a while, man, and and again with them being so close, you know, with them both having five wins, and the Chiefs haven't had the season that we all expected them to have, and you know the Raiders are are right now sitting there with five wins. I mean it's it's it is for something and it means something and I know Raider fans aren't going to want to hear that but it's true you know it's it's actually playing for something now so I'm excited about it. it's the first matchup of the season between the two teams of course we'll do it again later but man the Chiefs let's let's start with you know the obvious they're five and four I don't think anyone thought that they were going to lose four games I don't think that Patrick Mahomes has played the way he's played at all so far in his uh, career until this year so what has been in your opinion the biggest reason for the, the stumbling out of the gates and the fact that now that they're on a two-game winning streak, it looks like they're starting to kind of turn the corner and, and get back to normal play. Turnovers. You know, that's what it comes down to. Kansas City leads the league in turnovers. I still think, I believe still after week nine, didn't have any turnovers in week nine. They won the game. They did have a turnover against the Giants, uh, but they still ended up winning the game. But that's been the story. Uh, they've averaged two and a half turnovers a game. And you can't win wow. in the NFL – turning the ball over that much. And Mahomes has had some that have, you know, bounced off of receivers' hands. And he's, you know, had one that bounced off a receiver's helmet. I mean, different stuff that 
you know, in years past, it was falling to the ground and the ball wasn't bouncing that way. So I think part of it is, is that you're going to start not having some of those turnovers because I think eventually it's going to reverse. Uh, and then the other part of it is they have to just, you know, they have to hold on to the ball better. I mean, you right. have to be in a situation where if you get the ball thrown to you or you're running with the ball, you have to make sure you're not going to fumble it. And, you know, Travis Kelsey had a fumble a couple weeks ago. Mahomes right. has fumbled a couple times already. That is what has killed this team over and over and over again. I think that they beat the Chargers when they played the Chargers if they don't turn the ball over four times. Right. But when you give right. the Chargers three straight possessions where you turn the ball over three straight possessions, you're never going to win that game. That's, right. the, that's the reality of the NFL. Right. No, you're right. And, and the Raiders turned the ball over three times against the Giants. And, well, they lost. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you're spot on. You know, you turn the ball over, you're, you're going to mo- more times than not, you're going to lose the game. Now, I heard Patrick Mahomes say that at certain points in games, he starts pressing when when the mm-hmm. team's not not playing the way that they should. He starts putting more responsibility on himself. Uh, why is that that he's pressing like that? Because it's I, to me, it feels like something he's never done in his career. It is something that he's never really done in his career. I think you look at different things this season that they've dealt with that they have in the past. I really hate going back to this, but if you look at what they had last season when it came to the offensive line, it's a completely different offensive line this year, and I think that's a big part of it. But I don't think Mahomes has trusted his protection the way he needs to. Uh, If you look at the game against the Packers, he finally started moving in the pocket as opposed to busting out and trying to run or getting clear of the pocket to be able to throw the ball. Uh, He just moved around and shifted in the pocket. So it looks like he's starting to believe in his protection. And that's a huge key. If he can believe in his protection and he can stay in the pocket, I think that they're going to be seeing very good things from him. One of the stats that is just killing Kansas City right now is he has the worst stats when you look at throws after two and a half seconds after the snap. Mm. It's something like, uh, you know, his completion percentage is around 50%. He's got like six interceptions and four touchdowns. I mean, it's just completely different than if he is throwing the ball before two and a half seconds. So if he gets to the back of his drop and the ball comes out, better things are happening. It's when he's holding on to the ball that he's having all these issues. Right. And one of the big priorities for the Chiefs in the offseason, it wasn't really it didn't really come about the same way the Raiders offensive line reconstruction came about. I mean, the Chiefs, they went out and made a a priority to change that offensive line after what happened in the Super Bowl. And is it is it just a matter of similar to the Raiders? They're still trying to gel. They're still trying to find themselves. Or do you see issues with that offensive line? Like maybe this isn't it. Maybe there needs to be some different talent along that O-line. I think that there's a possibility that there needs to be different talent at left tackle. Uh, I hate saying that 10 games or nine games into his career in Kansas City, but Orlando Brown is not your typical left tackle that Kansas City's played with in the past. He He's not fleet of foot. He's not a guy like Eric Fisher that can get out in space and go, you know, get a linebacker 10 yards downfield. He's just not that type of, of lineman. Right. And the other problem is, is that when you put him in positions where you need a guy that can go do and pull and, and do that kind of stuff, he's failing at those. And that's partially bad coaching because you're putting him in a position to fail to begin with. So I do think that it's possible that maybe they need to look at something else for left tackle going forward. But if you look at Joe Tooney, who's played fantastic, even with a broken hand, missed I, I don't even think he missed a snap once he broke his hand. And I can't remember how long ago that was. Uh, but he broke his hand during the game and went back, got it taped up, went back in, didn't miss a single snap. Uh, Creed Humphrey has been phenomenal for this Chiefs team so far. So, uh, you know, you look at those two guys, they're great. Trey Smith, I think, has played great. 
Uh, he has some learning curve things that you're going to have to deal with, but he is a man in the middle of that offensive line. I think he's doing a great job. Mike Rimmers was the starter a couple of weeks ago. He got hurt. Lucas Niang came back in and is starting. Then he got hurt. Now you're looking at Andrew Wiley being your right tackle, which I don't think is a good situation for Kansas City to begin with. But I do think Lucas Niang is probably the future right tackle, at least for now. But I do think that they may be looking at another left tackle next year. So with all that being said, you know, we talked earlier about Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe. Unique mm-hmm. is usually lined up against that left tackle. Uh, how much of a concern would that be for the Kansas City Chiefs coming into this game, knowing that Ngakwe and Crosby lead the team in sacks and total pressures? I mean, they're, those two, that one-two punch is really productive for the Raiders. How much of a concern is that for the Chiefs? I think it's a huge concern, but I think you can also mitigate it to an extent. One of the best things you can do against a, a good pass rush is if you get the ball out on time and you have a lot of timing routes, which is what Kansas City's offense is predicated around, is quick timing routes. If they can do that, I think they'll be okay because at some point you're going to have to stop the run, which I expect Kansas City to do more of in this game. I think that they've shown that they can run the ball at least decently. It's not great, but it's decent. And I wonder if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back this week, which would also help in the running game, I think, a little bit. Right. But I also believe that when you start looking at, uh, you know, Crosby and Ngakwe going against the Chiefs offensive line, I don't like that matchup for Orlando Brown. I think it's a horrible matchup. Uh, If Andy Reid wants to help his player, he needs to chip him with Blake Bell or Travis Kelsey or any running back or a tight end or wide receiver. Do something to at least give Orlando Brown a chance at times. And if you want to take a deep shot, then put somebody over there and have him block. In Gawkway on top of Orlando Brown, I think you'll be in a better position. So you mentioned uh, the running game, and you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh, what what is the shape of the running game right now? Because I know it's been weeks on top of weeks on top of weeks. You hear analysts here, analysts there say, "Hey, other teams are allowing you to run the ball. They're daring you to run the ball, and you're not running it effectively. You're not running it enough." What is the state of uh, of the the running game for the Chiefs? Because I'll tell you, that's a weakness in the in the Raiders' defense. And I think the key there is you have to realize Andy Reid is going to be Andy Reid. He's never going to run the ball 50% of the time. And analysts are going to sit there and tell you that with the boxes they're showing, that he should be running the ball 50% of the time. Well, that's not Andy Reid. That's not going to be what Patrick Mahomes is going to do either. They have plays that they feel are close enough to a running play. You know, a throw out to the flats to a running back is a running play for them. Uh, you know, pitching the ball. How many times have we seen McCole Hardman and Tri- or Tyree Kill run in front of Patrick Mahomes right. on a shotgun snap and get a pitch that way? That's a running play, yet it goes down as a pass in the scorebook. So I think there's different ways that they can run the ball. Uh, the key there, though, is is take advantage of the boxes, make the safeties come up, and then you'll be able to take some shots downfield. But again, like I said, I do think that they need to make sure that they watch for those defensive ends because they can wreck the game. Yeah, no, they can. And they've done a good job of it so far this season for the silver and black. And uh, got one more question as far as the Chiefs offense goes. And then I'll flip over to the defensive side of things. McCole Hardman, he's a guy that I've talked to you about multiple times. I just like the the factor that he is, kind of the X factor that he can be. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot from him this season. What's the status of Hardman as far as how is he progressing in his NFL career? And is he is he becoming that X factor that I keep thinking he's going to be? He's not, and that's the problem. I think that you look at what we were hoping McCall Hardman could be this season, and so far he hasn't turned out to be that guy. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game against the Packers, but there was a huge third down play 
Uh, maybe in the third quarter, I think that McCall Hardman got a ball that hit him right in the hands and he dropped it. And as an NFL wide receiver, you're going to have drops. I get it. But you can't have drops in that type of situation. If you want to have a drop, at least make it something where you're at least defended. He wasn't even defended on that. That's a, right. you know, that's a mental lapse. And, you know, you look at another play earlier in the game, I believe it was in the first quarter, maybe it was in the early second quarter, where McCall Hardman's running a deep route down the field and Mahomes unleashes the ball. And everybody's clamoring saying the ball should have gone to Travis Kelsey 20 yards down the field and it would have been in a first down and moved the chains. And they're right. But if you go back and watch the replay, you watch McCall Hardman run this route and he slows down at about the 30-yard line. And then he realizes, oh, wait, Mahomes might throw me the ball and speeds up again at the 25. You can't do that. You cannot put your quarterback in that situation because he missed him by two yards. And if he would have been running the entire time, I'm not so sure that wouldn't have been a long touchdown. Right. The problem with Hartman at this point is he has like 300 yards, I believe, and one touchdown on uh, something like he has less than 73 yards in every single game so far this year. And that's total yards from scrimmage, I believe, in every game this year. And he just isn't making the plays that we've seen from him in the past. And he's still having the same mistakes that he's had in prior years. Right. Yeah. Well, that that could be a problem. I I thought he would have developed by now. And it seems like that is not happening. We're talking right now with Chris Clark, uh, host of Locked On Chiefs here. And uh, we're talking Chiefs Raiders as they prepare for week 10 uh, Sunday night football action. This should be fun. The defense, the defense and the defense. That's been something that's been a conversation all year long about the struggles of the Chiefs is is because they can't stop anybody. Uh, What's the state of the, the defense right now? It looked to me, and I know Jordan Love was the quarterback, but it looked to me like the defense was starting to make plays against the against the Packers a week ago I'm trying to reserve judgment a little bit just because <laughs> you're not gonna blitz Derek Carr on 52 percent of your drawbacks right and they and that's what they did to Jordan Love they blitzed him 52 percent of the time almost and so I do think that the Chiefs defense is taking a step forward Rashad Fenton is playing a lot better on as a corner Shavarius Ward since coming back from injuries playing very well Legereus Sneed is playing well at corner uh, you finally don't have Daniel Sorensen on the field very much, so you have Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew on the back end. My biggest thing that I really wish Kansas City would figure out and Steve Spagnuolo would figure out is put Anthony Hitchens at your you know, strong side linebacker position. Don't put uh, Nick Bolton there. Put Bolton at middle linebacker where he showed he could make a huge difference. He went and won Rookie of the Month for October. And the second the Hitchens came back from injury, they put him right back at that position of middle linebacker. And I just cannot understand that. I think that's a problem. I think it's going to continue to be a problem because when Nick Bolton runs downhill, he's a lot better against the run in this defense. I think it's a lot better as well. Right. No, no doubt, man. And the defense, again, is going to be something that obviously is going to be tested on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I noticed and, and I've kind of been in conversation about before is Frank Clark. I like Frank Clark a lot. I think he's a heck of a player. Now, I know he's got some off the field issues, but I think that, you know, he's, he's a heck of a player. He doesn't seem like he's he's full throttle all the time with Kansas City, at least not this year. It seems like his, his motor's not running as hot as it, it normally does. Is there something going on with him or is am I just watching the wrong t- wrong games? I'm not going to say you are watching the wrong games, though. I will say I think the past couple of weeks we've seen the, we've seen the Frank Clark of old to some extent. Okay. I think you're starting to see what you saw early in the season as a guy that was dealing with a hamstring injury. He gotcha. got a hamstring injury in the in training camp, uh, took a couple of weeks off, tried to come back, wasn't healthy, then injured the other hamstring, and I think he's finally healthy at this point. 
He's now played, I believe, in the last two games, 80% of the snaps in both games. And that's phenomenal for a guy that is somebody that usually gets after the quarterback a lot. Yes, he's not getting home. He's getting pressure. He's not getting sacks. But the pressure is really what matters. Sacks are great. Don't get me wrong. But if you can pressure a quarterback, sometimes that's all you need to be able to do. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, the rest of the Chiefs defensive line, of course, uh, you know, you've got you, you've got uh, Chris Jones. Obviously, he's he's that dude. Uh, how's he been doing? And uh, and how's the rest of the defensive line been doing? You know, I think you look at Chris Jones and he's been playing defensive end for most of the season. I think uh, we also found out a couple of weeks ago that he was dealing with a torn tendon in one of his hands uh, or his wrist. And I think that really, you know, affected his. Uh, effectiveness, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Uh, and I do think that if you look at Chris Jones going forward, I think he's going to continue to play more defensive tackle because Kansas City brought in a guy named Melvin Ingram who, right. looking at this past week, I think has shown that he still has the ability to get after the quarterback. If they can play Chris Jones a defensive tackle and have Ingram at least give them some pressure from defensive end as well as Frank Clark, and you have Chris Jones in the middle, I think that's going to start creating pressure, and that's really going to help this defense move forward. All right, no doubt about it. And, and want to wrap up with this, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, those are two guys that I always look for and expect the Raiders to to use in a, in a major way. And really, honestly, Darren Waller hasn't had a monster game since the first game of the season against the Ravens, but he's still there. You know, he's still a factor. Yep. So uh, what is the plan? How do you think that the Chiefs attack those two guys in particular, Waller and Renfro? I think you have to double Waller. Uh, I, I like, don't get me wrong, I like what Renfro brings to the game. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, but I think Darren Waller is really going to be the key for this defense. If you can stop the tight end, if you can put, uh, you know, a linebacker or and a safety, or maybe even you put a corner, uh, considering Darren Waller and a safety over the top uh, to help on that, I think that you're in a much better position if you can shut him down. I think that the Chiefs have the corners to be able to lock up most of the other guys on the offense. I'm not going to say they can do it every single play, obviously, but I think that they have a much better position. They're in a much better position to win if they can get double on Darren Waller and maybe every once in a while double on Renfro as well. Uh, Renfro, I think if he's playing in the slot like he usually has been, I think he's going to see a lot of luxurious need, and I do think that that could be uh, a very key matchup in this game. I'm very curious to see how it works out. Sneed has played very well at times for Kansas City, and I hope that he continues that on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Hunter Renfro is one of Derek Carr's go-to guys. Uh, yep. Third and Renfro is what they call him for a reason. Uh, comes up clutch most of the time uh, whenever Derek Carr really needs him. So that's why I kind of lump him in there. Like he's going to be a factor in a major way. And before I before I wrap this up and let you go, I did want to ask about your offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. He's a guy that's been, you know, rumored to be on the move as far as head coaching jobs for a while now and still hasn't got that nod. Uh, do you think this offseason will be the offseason when Eric Bieniemy finally gets that shot to become a head coach somewhere in the league? You know, I wonder, I have to say, the past two years, I wonder how much the fact that he went to the Super Bowl has caught, kept him from getting a, a head right. coaching gig. Uh, right now, the way it looks with Kansas City, I don't think they're going in the Super Bowl, at least the way they've been playing <laughs> lately. So that might help. Uh, I do think he deserves to be a head coach. I think that he has deserved to be a head coach for the past several seasons. Uh, but with the way that the NFL works and with the hiring schedule, I just don't think that it's been realistic because uh, most of the time those coaches are getting picked before they have a chance uh, to even get to an AFC championship or NFC championship game. So I, I hope that he gets a head coaching job this offseason. I, I really think that in, it would be better for the NFL 
if they could get to a point where they say, okay, we're not going to actually even start the hiring process for head coaches until the week after the Super Bowl or the day yeah. after the Super Bowl, because then it's fair for everybody. I'd be okay with that. I really would. I think that that would be a, a good thing because, again, you're right. Uh, if you go to the Super Bowl, and then it's and you're asking a lot too, and uh, even if you give them the first like couple weeks or whatever to to be able to interview maybe on a Saturday, then they're taking away from what they're doing, you know, for that yeah. game. They're they're taking away time for planning. So, uh, yeah, if they just waited because they don't have to hire them right away. If they just waited till after the Super Bowl, like you said, even a day after the Super Bowl, that would be okay with me. As well. Well, Chris, uh, I'm excited about the game on Sunday, man. The five and four Chiefs uh, headed to Vegas, five and three Raiders uh, should be a heck of a matchup. Fans in the stands. I know Kansas City fans will travel. I know Raider Nation is going to be there. It should be electric. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how it shakes out. And then, oh, by the way, uh, we get to do it all over again. We get to talk about it again later on in the season as the Raiders will travel to Kansas City. So it should be a lot of fun, man. I look forward to the game and uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, man, I hope you enjoy it too, Q. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed this episode. And uh, I would love to say good luck to you on Sunday. I really probably wouldn't mean it. <laughs> but I do think that this could be a really good game. And I am excited because it looks like the AFC West has the opportunity to be a, a division that uh, we remember from, you know, the 90s when it was every single team in the AFC West was a challenge for everybody. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. I mean, everybody's nodded up at five, man. I would love for it to go down to the final week of the season to see how it all shakes out. So uh, it's great, man. It's great having having the competition and the parity that, that the league has right now, at least the AFC side of things. So, uh, yeah, it should be fun. And, and like I said, man, definitely enjoy the game. And and we got to do it again anyway, so it should be fun. All right, sounds good, man. And I will talk to you guys later. And thank you all for listening. We will be back tomorrow uh, and enjoy this week.